Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the Season Gaming Bitcast. This is episode 11. I'm going to be your host, Ainsley Bowden. I'm joined by Bert Sines, as usual. And today, um, before we get started, I just want to preface the episode uh, and apologize a little bit because we're having some issues with our video quality. So if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, apologize in advance for the, the low quality. We'll get that sorted out before our next episode uh, airs. But uh, today we're going to be talking about our, our normal content, uh, news and developer updates, uh, along with uh, current releases. And our main topic today is going to be talking about games as a service. Uh, we hear a lot, we hear that phrase a lot nowadays, and uh, Ubisoft um, and Square Enix have recently commented on it as well. So we're just going to kind of touch on what that means for the industry and what we think about those topics. But otherwise, uh, let's go ahead and jump into the news and um, you know talk about the major things that have happened over the past week and a half or so. So. Probably the biggest thing, uh, it was last week now, sadly, but uh, the biggest thing to kind of come out was Rockstar started teasing their uh, next trailer for Red Dead Redemption 2. We saw that last week, and uh, it was rather short. I was kind of hoping for it to be a little longer, but um, the, the really important news out of it, of course, is that they confirmed it's a prequel, and uh, it looks like uh, we're going to see a new main character. And uh, there's some hints in there around, you know, maybe seeing Marston towards the end. So we'll see how they tie that up in the game. But um, I liked it. I thought it looked really good. According to Rockstar, it was captured on a PS4. They didn't, of course, comment whether that was a PS4 Pro or a standard PS4. So that's kind of up for debate yet. But um, other than that, what do you think about it, Bert? That looked awesome. Uh, as everybody's kind of talking about it, it kind of was going to be kind of a shorter than we were expecting or hoping to see. I do like that they did show a tiny bit about the story. I mean, we kind of know a little bit about what's going on. Um, I think it's been kind of funny to see a lot of the websites and even fans have kind of dissected the trailer in general to kind of find out the locations of where it'll be. And from what we're seeing and hearing, it does look like it's going to be kind of a not in one little area, but across maybe the United States. So I think it looks really cool from that point. I cannot wait. We're both big Red Dead Redemption fans, so it's going to be fantastic when it gets here. But I hope to see more. I think we'll hopefully see some stuff come out a little closer to, I don't know, maybe E3 or maybe one of those things to kind of see more gameplay and see more things develop. Because we have yet to really see gameplay. Everything's just been kind of that, that video. But overall, I'm super excited. Yeah, which is kind of weird, right? Because they showed the... Um... The footage that they showed in this trailer looked to be real time, like it was cutscene quality, um, and it looked really good. But uh, I'm wondering when we are going to see gameplay. And with a spring release, you know, being the the term they're using right now, and I say term because who knows if it will actually release in spring. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they do get it out. Um, right now, I'm hoping for something like an April or May release. But as you said, if um, if that slips a little bit, we'll probably see a big presentation at E3, maybe Sony Stage since they have the marketing deal, and then maybe a fall release. But I'm still I'm still hoping for spring right now. Right. The other thing is that there's those weird rumors going on about why it was delayed to the spring, and I've been hearing rumors of the crossplay feature between PS4 and Xbox One. But uh, obviously, Rockstar is really not going to comment too much on that. But it, it is going to be interesting to find out what they worked on that, or maybe not what they worked on, but what may have been kind of some rough edges that they didn't feel comfortable to launch it as the original date that they had talked about. So I'm very interested in that. But uh, I'm sure that Rockstar made a good choice and kind of delaying it to fine tune everything was a good idea. So we'll see. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be world changing when it releases. Um, I can almost guarantee that. That's for sure. Um. So uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2, one of the largest games that um, you know is coming out this fall. We've talked about it on several big casts now. The uh, beta went live earlier this week. The open beta just went live yesterday, actually. Uh, we got a few rounds in earlier uh, this week, and uh, I think it's pretty good. I 
I wasn't a huge fan of the first game. I thought it was far too kind of arcadey and, and simple. Uh, this one seems to have a lot more depth, which I like in, in customization and some of the gameplay types. So uh, we talked about it, uh, not too much to say about it uh, that we haven't already said, but I'm looking forward to it. But the one thing I will comment on is playing on the standard Xbox One, you can really see the stress of you know the, the game scale on that hardware. You know, I think standard um, Xbox One and PlayStation 4 players are going to get a very different experience with this game uh, compared to, say, a PlayStation 4 Pro or Xbox One X. Um, we've heard some rumors from some of the people close to Microsoft saying that the Battlefront 2 on the Xbox One X is really going to melt people's faces off. So uh, we'll see what it looks like. But yeah, you can kind of see that on the standard Xbox One, how soft the edges are and blurry some of the textures are. So it'd be interesting to see the, uh, you know, I could I could see this being a showcase game for the uh, for the upgraded consoles and high end PCs. Yeah, I, I specifically was very let down with just the fidelity of the game in general and Things look kind of washed out. It was kind of uh, kind of a letdown. At the same time, I took it as a hey, this is a beta, so not to be too critical on it. And it's not the final product, but it's it's close to the final product. Uh, but overall, it, it was it was fine. I, I I'm I was not a huge Battlefront fan to begin with, so I I'm only getting it for multiplayer reasons to play with my boys. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's about it. That's about it. it was it was cool. Yeah, so I'm curious to see what other people think. I know a lot of people out there did play the uh, the first one a lot, and I'm curious to see what they think, you know, about the second one in the beta form compared to the first one. So let us know your thoughts on that if uh, if you're watching or listening. Uh, Forza Seven released last week, and we'll be talking about that probably a little more at length when we get to the currently playing. But uh, this kind of uh, blew up rather quickly after it released, and that is that the VIP package, which is a standard thing for kind of the um, deluxe or ultimate edition owners of the forza games the past several actually um so vip what it's done in the past is it gives you this kind of bonus uh you get double x or double credits for every race and it kind of gives you these bonuses for the people who play forza a lot well with forza 7 turn 10 actually changed uh secretly changed because bert you can correct me if i'm wrong but i don't think anyone knew it changed prior to launch um but they changed it and made it a consumable, basically, that would only work on 25 races instead of, you know, as long as you played the game. And this upset a lot of people. Um, there was a lot of negative press about this, um, you know, leading or shortly after release. So the good news here is that Alan Hartman, who's the studio head of Turn 10, came out just a couple days ago and said, hey, we've heard your feedback. Um, you know, we're you turning on this. We apologize. They gave all the players of Forza 7 who own VIP already a million credits uh for special cars and then in the near future they're going to make vip function like it did in the previous forza games as the players expected so um i know bert you were affected by this because i knew you bought the ultimate edition and uh you know did i did i get those details right and uh what do you think about it yeah you got everything right and to your original question on um did people know so if you were a person that pre-ordered uh, a ways ago maybe beginning of september or august anytime around that time uh, you did not know, because obviously you're not going to go back to the original page as you pre-order or something to find out the details of the car. Maybe if you went to see if there was any pre-order bonuses or something, but they ended up changing the uh, verbiage of what the VIP package was going to do. So a lot of people were really upset with that. I kind of got the game, and funny enough, I was actually waiting to get this to mainly play on Xbox One X, but I wanted to take advantage of the better pricing from Amazon at the beginning. And I got into it. The first thing I think we were actually gaming online, I told you, yeah, there's a lot more loot boxes and a few things look different here and there. Immediately, like within 
I don't know, a couple hours. I went online just to kind of see what people were liking it or not. And it was just very interesting to see that everybody was just pissed beyond belief on VIP. But yeah, when I saw that uh, message coming from Alan Hartman, it was very kind of uh, interesting. Number one, I was like, wow, they are changing it. And you even mentioned it. It'll be interesting to see if they did do a change and they did. So I think it's good that they did. Uh, it makes me wonder what their choice was as to why they're doing it. And there's there's a lot of people that are upset in general about Forza. So not specific to the, the VIP package, but there's all these crates and a lot of people feel it's very microtransaction-y. I think the industry in general is moving to that model. But um I'm I'm fine with it for the most part because you can level up to get those cars, but if you want to get a faster way, you have that way. But kind of is what it is. I I hit and miss for me overall. But the overall game of Forza Seven is is amazing. So if you're a Forza fan, don't stay away from it because of this issue because it wouldn't affect you anyways. So. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm sure we'll talk. We're both playing it, so I'm sure we'll talk more about it um, in how it plays. But I think the VIP thing is great, right? It's good that they heard the feedback. People are like, "Oh, well, they shouldn't have done it in the first place," and you know that's that's an argument. But uh, at least as a developer, within I mean, what less than a week after launch, they already responded to it and said they're fixing it. So um, most developers don't do that sort of thing. So that's good. Yeah, um, it was it was two days from the standard launch of the original game and about. Uh, six days from the VIP launch because they launched the uh, you know right uh, Friday the Friday before uh, the Tuesday launch so it was it was relatively quick and it was kind of cool that they re gave rewards to those VIP people for kind of dealing with them and kind of staying with it but there was a pretty decent you know uh, cry out um, from people online on Reddit or whatever that they were returning the game and they want a full refund and all this stuff I think that's a bit dramatic but. Whatever. Yeah, I mean that's a whole nother topic. Uh, the whole outrage thing, like you were you're mentioning, like microtransactions and the loot crates. There's been a big blow up over Forza about these loot crates, and you know, as I've told people now that I'm playing it, is you can buy them with in-game currency, and they don't even affect you. You don't have to. I haven't bought a single one, um, so I don't. I don't understand. I think it's just if people hear loot box, and we you know we did our uh, season gaming conversation on this, right? But people hear loot box in a game, and they flip out before they even know what the details are. Um, so it's, it's a little ridiculous, but, um, anyway, uh, we'll talk more about Forza here upcoming. Um, oh, one last thing on the VIP though. It was kind of funny cause we were talking, right. And I decided to go with the standard edition and not get the VIP because of the changes they made to it. So I get the standard edition, install it. And the very next day they changed the VIP back to the way it was given a million credits in four cars. So now I wish I would have bought the damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, oh, well, um, Fortnite. So Fortnite, we talked on the last bit cast about the whole controversy between, um, you know, Blue Hole and PUBG and, and the Battle Royale mode and Fortnite. Well, Epic is just running with it, as we kind of predicted they would, right? Smartly so, in my opinion. They are running with it. Battle Royale has been a big hit. Lots of people are playing it on, uh, particularly on Xbox and PlayStation, because they don't have the PUBG, you know, don't have PUBG on those platforms. And they just announced uh, over Twitter and all social media a couple days ago that they've had 7 million unique players now on Fortnite, which is obviously a huge increase from uh, prior to the Battle Royale mode being, being um, added. It is a free mode to play. You don't even have to own Fortnite to play it. And they've also announced that they're adding progression to it. So people kept asking, you know, when are you going to add things to unlock and do in Battle Royale rather than just play it? So they're going to be adding account progression and uh, 
and uh, customizable options for your character and things like that in the future too. So I think they're going to run with this. Um, it wouldn't surprise me at all to hear that they, you know, put more development resources on the battle royale side. It just makes sense. Um, like we talked about before, particularly when you have no battle royale game competition on consoles right now. So um, not surprising, but um, you know, it's it, it seems to be popular. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if. Um if there's any legal issues in the future because of this whole thing, um, because there's like so many people that are jumping onto it. And as you said before, it's completely free. You don't have to pay for anything. Just do the download and you can start playing. And uh, people are already talking about it'll, it'll bypass PUBG pretty soon and, and concurrent players. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I, it'll be interesting to see if it does because Fortnite had kind of had a, I don't want to say rocky start. People didn't go out there and buy it out of control. Uh, like PUBG did when PUBG came out, people loved that from the start. So, talk about a game that's evolving little by little over time. Kind of cool for them. Yeah, and I know um, just from reading, you know, things on the developer. I know PUBG and um, Bluehole is really staffing up to support the game more. Um, so that game's getting a lot of expansions in the future. But they're they're almost racing right now, right, to see the that market capture. So we'll see how that develops. But I'm looking forward to trying PUBG. We've talked about that before. Um, supposedly, according to Microsoft and, and Bluehole, it's still coming to Xbox One with X enhancements uh, before the end of the year. So we'll see. Um, so one of our, we, we kind of saw this news and, um, you know, we were a little saddened because really this is probably our game of the year front runner right now. Um, but it's surprising to see that it's not selling too well. <laughs> I, can, I can see Bert laughing already. So, oh my God, it's like the punching bag, I swear. And I, I it doesn't deserve to be, as we said before. But Knack 2, we're back on Knack. Um, we just saw some news out of Japan this week, which was really, I, I won't say it's really surprising, but it's almost, you know, it's really interesting um, that Knack 2 apparently in its first week in Japan, where it sold, Knack 1 sold well, on the PlayStation 4's launch, NAC 2 sold 2,601 copies. Um, that is extremely low. And even though NAC came with some PlayStation 4's at launch in Japan, um, it represents less than 1% of the total sales of NAC 1 at launch uh, in Japan. So I don't know what the sales figures are for the US. There hasn't been any buzz about that game that I've seen other than people mocking it, which again is a shame and the developer doesn't deserve that. but. Um, it is uh, it is crazy to think it sold so few units in Japan, and it wouldn't surprise me if it didn't sell well here. So as we kind of discussed before, it's going to be interesting to see what the future of that franchise is, because I know it's a franchise that Sony was trying to push, and with NAC 2, they were trying to uh, you know kind of correct some of the mistakes with NAC 1, but it just doesn't seem like people care or are interested in that game. Yeah, so one of the funny, surprising things that I heard about NAC was... NAC 1 sold about 1.75 million units worldwide when it came out, and it'd be interesting to see if that actually launched during the middle of the PlayStation 4 era versus the launch, because I think a lot of people bought it just to get the, the launch title as it is. So it's kind of interesting that NAC 2 comes out, is the better game, and it still does worse. I mean, they try to listen to as much feedback as you can. Um, now, 1.75 million units for the original is not too bad for an exclusive launch title, so... You know, take that as you will, but I think a lot of people didn't even finish NAC 1. They kind of thought it was pretty bad and moved on. But hmm, I don't know. I mean, I think this will not probably see a part three. I think, uh, if anything, maybe it's like a demo for PlayStation 5 or something um, because, you know, they have a pretty big studio uh, producing the game, and one of the most technical guys on the Sony side is producing it. So 
I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, it's kind of funny overall. Uh, I thought the joking about game of the year was pretty funny. <laughs> Who's, joking? Who's joking? <laughs> Whoa. Oh, um, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, I think they let that one go and they start working on a new franchise for probably PlayStation five, as you said, we'll see. Um, so Halo recruit, uh, this is something interesting. So without getting too much into the larger details here, there uh, windows is basically or Microsoft is launching mixed reality headsets for windows uh, in a couple weeks here. And one of the things that they're touting as a as a kind of demo, it's not really a game, but it's almost like a showcase thing, is Halo Recruit. And what it uh, what it is essentially, it's like a five to ten minute thing where you can look at uh, a few of the Halo um, iconic characters, whether it's Chief, or I think an Elite, and some of the weapons, you know, the pistol, Needler, etc., and just look at them in VR. So you can kind of be in that environment to look at things in, in a virtual reality environment. So it's nothing crazy, but um, of course, I find it interesting being a, the, the big Halo fan. Um, and I know that at Microsoft stores nationwide, um, you're going to be able to go in and, and do this um, and just see it. So, of course, I will do that. But um, I thought that was neat. The bigger news, of course, this ties to is that Mixed Reality is coming to Windows 10 um, in just a couple weeks, like I said. And um, was it Samsung, I believe, is launching a, what they're calling a high-end Mixed Reality headset for Windows 10, which uh, you know is rumored to be tied to Xbox One X in the future. Not this year, but maybe you know later next year. And this is a uh, VR headset that has, uh, you know, full wireless everything and uh, an OLED screen in it. Um, so I think we're starting to see that next generation or 2.0 version of virtual reality, um, you know, come to fruition like we talked about prior. What do you think about this? Very cool. Uh, I, I will definitely be trying it out as well just to see the VR thing. I've never been a huge VR uh, person in general. I've never really been interested in it. I didn't even pick up the PSVR when it came out. But uh, yeah, to your point, one thing I will say is the Samsung OLED screens that you can get on your phones and, and that they've been pushing for a while are amazing. So that'll be something cool just to see what it looks like when it comes. But yeah, I'm super excited about it. I, I'm very curious to see if uh, the Xbox One X will kind of uh, be one of the platforms for VR for the Xbox for, um, brand in general in the future. I, I don't I don't know. They tried to push Connect for a while, and that wasn't quite VR, but it was motion. And then I wonder if this is their next step. But I don't know if VR has sold that well in the console space. But yeah, more, more um, surprises. I don't know. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because um, I think it was Albert Pinello, who's part of the engineering team at, at Xbox, uh, commented just the other day, and you kind of nailed it. Is that you know they they he said specifically that they learned from Connect and that they didn't want to distract developers with VR this year with the Xbox One X launching. So they they basically, you know, allowed developers to just focus purely on the games, which is probably why so many games are getting Xbox One X upgrades, um, along with other factors, of course. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see next year if they start pushing that. I just, as you said, I don't know what the market is there. You know, PlayStation VR is about as, as affordable as you can make VR. Uh, in the console space and it hasn't really sold that well i mean it's it's sold well enough i guess but um it hasn't really lit the world on fire so we'll see it'd be interesting yeah, it's even even the pc space hasn't really sold amazingly well i think a lot of people that are big pc gamers that have to get the latest and greatest everything like video cards and stuff kind of adopted it at the beginning with them there was a lack of software and when the software came out that a lot of people didn't care for it so maybe it's the latest experiment that just kind of falls flat or just does average and and the industry doesn't really 
invest in it that much more and they would kind of move on. But I don't know. I'm not an industry expert. I don't claim to be in any form. It's just kind of what I see in here. I think I've seen a lot of people actually trading in their PSVR um, complete setups, you know, the headsets, the the controllers, and they just don't want anything to do with it anymore because the software kind of sucks with the exception of like one or two titles. Yeah. So. All right. So uh, moving on to PlayStation, actually. So Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, which is one of our favorite games of the year and in our game of the year discussion, uh, the complete edition was announced, uh, which includes, you know, all, obviously all the updates through now and the Frozen Wilds DLC, which releases next month. But, um, you know, that's news in, in of itself. But um, what this obviously means, at, at least on the surface, is that the Frozen Wilds DLC will be the only expansion for Horizon Zero Dawn. So, um, I don't know what I think about that yet. Um, I'm anxious to play it. Obviously, I love I 100%ed Horizon Zero Dawn, um, so I'm looking forward to Frozen Wilds. But uh, I was really hoping to see that game kind of have a longer tail. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, I think the I remember hearing the developer talk about just creating the DLC and how long it takes for them to do that. And maybe they're already working on something new, if not the sequel, the true sequel to the game, and they just kind of want to leave it alone. But yeah, it is kind of sad. At the same time, I was blown away by the game i would have been happy if there was no dlc but i do love that there is dlc coming so i it just sucks the date because i will probably not play it on launch date i'll be playing my one x on launch day not the uh, dlc but i will come back to the dlc within a couple of weeks yeah it's it's always a funny thing when you get the sony versus microsoft uh date competitions right where they try to release things because for guys like us or people that buy everything it's like well there's obviously something I'm not going to get to, and that's that's going to be it. I think I've already bought it, actually, because it's a 25% discount, right, if you're a PS Plus member, um, to pre-order the Frozen Wild. So it's $14.99 oh, yeah. instead of $19.99. So I've actually already bought it, but I'm not going to be playing it right away. Um, so <laughs> we'll see. Um, sticking on Sony, so uh, Paris Games Week is coming up here. It actually runs November 1st to November 5th, and they've actually teased or hinted that they're going to have some new game announcements and that people will want to be paying attention to Paris Games Week. So traditionally, um, it's kind of a weird time of the year for Sony because they do Paris Games Week, which is kind of big for them, but then they also have PSX, and PSX is but a few weeks after Paris Games Week. So I don't know what they may have in store. Obviously, hoping for some you know, surprises. Uh, we may see more Last of Us 2. Um, you know, who knows? More God of War, I'm sure we'll see. Maybe some more Days Gone. But in terms of new game surprises, it'll be interesting to see what they bring. I think Sony's going to be throwing everything they possibly can out on these uh, conferences and game conversations. I'm sure we'll see some big surprises of some sort just to take Steam away from the Xbox One X. Because if you think of the Sony lineup for the fall as far as the big touted amazing exclusives, there really isn't too many amazing things going on this fall from Sony in just releases. There's a few announcements for 2018 that people are super excited about. But outside of Destiny, Call of Duty, and Star Wars, and a few other games, like I guess you could consider Gran Turismo a big thing, there's really nothing amazing that's out right now uh, for Sony that you have to get this fall that is considered a new release. So I bet you they something will be there. Maybe Last of Us gameplay. Uh, maybe we get Red Dead Redemption gameplay. Maybe that. I, I have uh, no idea, but I'm sure we'll be getting surprised in some form. Yeah, now you've got me excited thinking about possible Red Dead Redemption or Last of Us gameplay. So we'll yep. see. <laughs> All right, so that's uh, that's really the core news. We're going to try and keep that a little more concise going forward. So let's talk about a few developer-related things, a couple big things that came out. And again, sticking on Sony. So this was a, a big surprise earlier this week, and that is that Andrew House, uh, who is the CEO and president of Sony Interactive Entertainment, um, he stepped down. 
um, and resigned. And John Codera has been appointed the president and CEO effective immediately. Andrew House is going to stay on through the end of the year to help him get acclimated, of course, but uh, then he's moving on. So he's been with Sony for a very long time, uh, 27 years, if my memory serves. I think 1990 is when he started. And he is also the gentleman who creatives, created excuse me, Sony Interactive Entertainment. He merged some prior uh, kind of uh, companies or subdivisions of Sony uh, underneath that banner. And uh, he's done a tremendous job, obviously. He was in charge during PlayStation 4 and PlayStation VR development. He's uh, had a big impact on on PSN and the whole PSN Plus thing, and just uh, PlayStation as a brand. So, for um, you know, in terms of Sony as a corporation, I don't know what this means. I don't know much about John Codera or his background, but uh, we'll have to see if this has any large impact on Sony going forward. Any th any thoughts on that? Yeah, I have a few. And the and the first thing is, I mean, to your point of him being somewhere so long, twenty seven years. If you kind of think about your personal career, um, I haven't taken the news as so much as negative news coming. I think um, he may have just been moving on to something else, just to do something different. I mean, you're at a corporation for so long, you know, maybe you want a, a change of scenery, something new. Um, Though the biggest surprise for me was Kadera taking over because if if you know anything about him, he was kind of in charge of the online community and the online things like PS and Plus and stuff and uh, a lot of the subscription stuff was his design and everything. And in my opinion, as far as where Sony has come, that's one of the weakest things that you can get from the Sony product in general is how weak their online service is until recently. They've gotten better with some of their PSN Plus games that they give out and stuff, but their overall, overall online product is poor compared to, to Microsoft in, in that standpoint. So... I don't know. I figured they would have gone with somebody different. I don't have anything anything problems with as far as John Cadera goes, but I just figured they would have done something else. If we start seeing Sony kind of, um, I don't want to say lose market share because they already have massive market share in console, but if they start making some weird decisions or something, it might be a little bit more telling. Maybe uh, he didn't want to move in that direction before. And when I say him, I mean Andrew House as far as some of the decisions Sony's moving forward. But Andrew House is pretty important to Sony because I, I think if it wasn't him, Sony might have gone bankrupt if not not exist anymore because the Sony PlayStation brand has been one of the biggest things that's been keeping Sony alive. It's not their TVs. It's not their Walkmans or their Dismans that were out before. Walkmans. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that was Sony's heyday. I mean, if you were a kid in the 80s and 90s and maybe even a little bit of early 2000s, but not really, Sony was the brand uh, to get. You had to get everything from them. You had the boom boxes. I'm, maybe, the, maybe we lost about a whole bunch of people when I mentioned a boombox. But uh, even their TVs, I mean, their TVs were amazing back in the day. I remember the XBR brand, everybody had to get that. And um, But the second that we moved from a tube to something else, LG and, and Philips and everybody else kind of took over. Um, and Sony fell way behind. And then Apple came along, and that took the entire market share of uh, portable music. So I yeah. would be very interesting to see if he never existed in the Sony PlayStation brand didn't exist if Sony would still be around today. So props to him. Good job on everything he's done. Um, we'll see what happens with Sony going forward. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Walkmans and boomboxes, man. We're going way back. You got to have that anti-skip for the CD player. You oh, know, yeah, that's real standard. important. I had one without it. And trust me, you might as well not even try to listen to a CD. It was a waste yep. of time. Um <clears throat> Another big piece here on uh, developers is Ubisoft, who is, uh, you know, some people love them, some people hate them. Regardless of what you think about them, their games sell. Um, Division, I believe, still, I 
don't recall, but I know Division was the best-selling game of last year or one of the top three for sure. Uh, the top-selling game so far this year is uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands, and uh, they have just a lot of big games that sell. Rainbow Six Siege and, and For Honor is, I think, in the top five as well this year. So, uh, like I said, regardless of what you think of them, um, they have been fighting off a hostile takeover. So this is kind of the the politics of corporate, you know, uh, corporate video game companies uh, that you don't really hear about much in the industry. But because they're giant corporations and worth hundreds of millions or billions of dollars, this kind of stuff occurs. So Vivendi has been trying to buy out Ubisoft. They have a 27% market share of Ubisoft right now. But uh, Ubisoft at least seems to be fending them off for the time being. They are um, buying 4 million shares back um, from people, and then they're really just canceling out the shares. So the whole goal here is to reduce um, or prevent, I should say, Vivendi from reaching a 30% market share, which would allow them to... Uh, you know, um, kind of push further to take over ownership of, of Ubisoft. So this is not something we talk about too often. Um, you know, it's kind of getting into the weeds of the video game industry, but I thought it was interesting because, you know, we've seen good developers and good development companies be taken over by corporate interests, people that really uh, have no no care for the video game industry other than making money. And that can really, uh, you know, tear developers apart and really make them lose talent. So. You look at something like uh, the Assassin's Creed franchise and Ghost Recon and and all these other things that Ubisoft has created, and it'd be kind of a shame if um, you know if we saw that just go down the corporate side where uh, it was run into the ground. So this seems to be good news for gamers, at least for the short term. Yeah, we've seen it with uh, recently. If you're a fan of maybe the Mass Effect series, some of the Star Wars series. Um, even the Dead Space series, these were all bought out by big companies like EA and Activision. You might even say the Call of Duty series in general has changed a lot over, over time when Activision started taking things over. So, you know, I hope they stay afloat and they can continue to do things the way they want to do. But I, I personally don't like when massive companies do this. So I hope they can keep to themselves on it. Yep. All right. So uh, just one rumor to talk about today that we had on the list here, and that is... Um, Microsoft, it came out by uh, Bloomberg, actually, which was a weird kind of site to be reporting this. But earlier this week, uh, Bloomberg wrote an article that said that Microsoft was in talks with Bluehole to extend or secure forever uh, console exclusivity for PUBG. And that is not surprising even a little. Um, you know, we talked, I think we both commented that it wouldn't surprise us in the future if we heard that Microsoft was trying to extend the exclusivity of the franchise and it would be smart for them to do with PUBG being just a, a worldwide phenomenon right now. Um, so really not a lot of detail on this one. It's just a rumor. Nobody has commented you know, officially on this, but uh, it just makes sense if you think about it. I mean, Microsoft is, is looking for exclusives for the Xbox platform. Um, PUBG is one of the biggest right now. And um, if they can, you know, come through the holidays, say we have PUBG and know, oh, by the way, that's, you know, Xbox exclusive forever. That's a pretty big boost because I know there's a lot of people in the console space that are looking to, to play PUBG. So especially with the Xbox One X uh, releasing and it's supposedly, you know, getting uh, the full treatment as well on that platform. So uh, not surprising here, but uh, any thoughts from you on that one? Yeah, I really think they should. I mean, I, but to your point earlier, uh, Microsoft has been getting hit in the press all the time with lack of exclusives. This would be a good one to have um, under their belts. And, you know, whether it's 
100% exclusive, never going to be, you know, coming over to Sony or just a longer time of exclusivity, I think would be a good, good choice. Um, even more that, you know, they've been helping a little bit with development here and there. Um, but the second it comes to Sony, you know, there's going to be, it's going to be cross-platform at that point. You can do all that stuff. So a good example would be like a Tomb Raider series. This was originally a, a timed exclusive. Um, the second it came to PlayStation, everybody was getting the same thing. So I think it would be highly a smart choice to buy as much as you can from them at this point. So maybe they buy the complete product and they become a Microsoft studio. Who knows? But we'll see. I, I think it's, it'd be good for Microsoft to have another good exclusive under their belt. Yeah, and you know, and just because um, you know, I've heard some Sony only guys going kind of frantic over this, and and you know, keep in mind that just because Microsoft is talking about buying the studio or may, rumors of that buying the studio, even if they did buy the studio, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that the game won't end up on PlayStation, right? I mean, Microsoft owns Minecraft and and Mojang and and um, all of that development team and assets, and that M Minecraft is on everything. In fact. Microsoft is pushing crossplay between you know PC and Switch and hopefully PlayStation 4 in the future. Um, it just means that Microsoft, of course, is profiting from that franchise, right? So, be interesting to see one way or another. We'll we'll likely know within the next you know four to six months. So, all right. So let's talk about uh, let's talk about new releases. A couple big games that uh, we've both been waiting for and and have been playing quite a lot. So uh, first up, I'm going to run through these birds, and then we'll kind of move into your thoughts on them and, and what you've been playing uh, individually. So, Cuphead, 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 uh, <laughs> my favorite release in a long time. Finally, is here. Uh, I've played the hell out of it already. Uh, love it to death. My review is up on the site. It's uh, it's currently reviewing very well. It's got an average score on Open Critic of 87. Um, and I think Bert, you owe me. What do you owe me? An Xbox One X for that one? I think. Um, I think that was our bet. So I'll just wait November seventh for you to arrive at my door. Um, <laughs> uh, Forza Seven is out, and that's uh, again, but even beyond the the whole VIP and and nonsense microtransaction discussion surrounding it, it's been reviewed extremely well as well. That's also riding an eighty-seven right now on Open Critic. Uh, Battle Chasers Night War. This is a little less lesser known game, but um, I found it interesting, and I may be actually picking this up in the future. It's a uh, it's based on a, a novel series, as I understand it, or maybe graphic novel series. But um, this is one. It's like a more of an old school JRPG style turn based uh, role playing game, and uh, has a really unique art aesthetic to it, and uh, is reviewing pretty well. It's at an eighty on Open Critic and, and strong. And uh, people seem to be liking it. So, and I believe that as well. That's a uh, a twenty nine ninety nine game instead of a full price game, and it is coming to Switch later in the year as well. Uh, FIFA eighteen is here. So we've talked about FIFA, you know, at length. That's uh, a worldwide um, phenomenon as well. It's kind of the best selling game worldwide, and uh, that's out. Although it doesn't seem to be getting the high critical praise that FIFA games have traditionally gotten or, or gotten you know most of the time it's running in 83 right now um, on open critic and uh, you know there's been some some talk that this is one of the years that it's not really at its peak so I haven't played it myself but just just uh, relaying what I've heard and then uh, just around the corner here in a couple days is uh, shadow of war finally releases but the uh, reviews are already coming out the embargo actually ended on that a couple days ago so and that's uh, that's reviewing really well as well that's at an 85 right now mighty um, I know some of the major publications gave it over a nine. So um, again, that's another game that's had a lot of conversation around it with the whole microtransaction loot box thing. Haven't played it myself yet, so I, I don't really know what to comment. But apparently, it's uh, regardless of that, it's it's doing well as well. So um, anyway, those are kind of the major releases we've seen over the past week and what's upcoming. 
Bert, what are you? Uh, I know you're playing Cuphead. Fours are some of the things we talked about here, um, and you obviously need to find another Xbox One X now to give to me. But uh, what do you have to do? <laughs> yeah, so I want to talk briefly on on some of the releases you're talking about. So the first thing about Cuphead, and I am playing that. I'm I'm not a hundred percent like you are. I'm not as good <laughs> as you are, but uh, it over exceeded my expectations, which is kind of crazy because I was very excited about the game. I wanted it really bad for dating back a long ways but playing this just the the how fine-tuned the game is how pretty the game is um how creative the bosses are in the game and um i i don't know it's it's one of my favorite games of the year so far and i still play it even though i get destroyed numerous times i think um the last time i went to the fountain to count my deaths i was over 400 (laughs) (laughs) and i uh just finished the second no i have one boss left that dumb queen b uh, left to finish on the on the island, and I've I've completed that area. So that's I'm getting there. Um, but I'm still I I will probably never beat the the devil in the game. Um, I fully admit that I it's just frustrating. I won't be able to. My skills are not there. <laughs> Watch uh, out for that saw on the queen bee, man. That, yeah. that's, every time, every time. <laughs> uh, another thing that I was thinking about recently is uh, Forza Seven. Obviously, I have it. You have it. We're playing that right now. But I'm. I'm really wanting to see how that one does in sales. Because as we've talked about in the past, most new releases do the majority of their sales within the first month or at least the first three weeks of of release. With the Xbox One X going to be launching, you know, about a month after the the game uh, releases, if they're going to have like a surge in sales when the Xbox One X is out. Because that'll be one of the showcase titles, you know, from Microsoft and having the full 4K native, you know, 60 frames per second running as smooth as possible. So I I really want to see if that does great in sales. And I think by the time that's over, all the negative press with it will be way over. People will be mind blown by the graphics and the game playing we'll be able to see more of that so is what it is um really quick on the fifa talk i think the main reason that people are just kind of like not impressed with it is because they really didn't do much different in the game uh, there's a few tiny touches here and there um kind of goes the same with other ea games this year they really weren't touched that much you know e uh the nhl series barely changed or anything they're kind of in a cruise control mode here mainly because of licensing so as we were talking earlier about big things ea has got the license on just about every single sport with the exception of baseball um and nba um so i don't know it Kind of a letdown that FIFA didn't do much. I don't play a lot of FIFA anyways. I do it mainly socially with friends, but I don't really go crazy on it or whatever. Uh, there was one more game. Oh, yeah. So Shadow of War. Um, a lot of people are saying it's their game of the year, um, and it looks that good um, for some people. I loved the first one, and I really want to get the second one, but I have so much to play that it's probably going to be on hold until November for me. Um, but it looks amazing. It, I've been seeing some people talking about how much different and bigger the world is and the nemesis system that's in that game is something that I think everybody has to at least try once. Um, so even if like you want to try it out from the first game, I mean, that game is dirt cheap now. You really have no excuses not to give it a try. It may even become free within the next year on PlayStation or, or Xbox. So I don't know. I really want to try it out. Um, lastly, on the stuff that I'm playing right now, so I'm playing way too much to the point to where I, <laughs> I lose what I was doing on the previous game when I come to the next one. So I finally picked up F1 2017 on the uh, Xbox. I, I did review it and play a whole season and, and then some on the PlayStation 4 Pro. But it's one of a, So I picked it up on Xbox, and I can't wait for it to come out on the Xbox One X because it's going to have some amazing enhancements similar to the Pro. Um, playing Dying Light uh, socially, and I picked up the Enhanced Edition, so I'll be playing some of the DLC that I didn't get to play before. Um, let's see, I have my list over here. Um, 
<laughs> like so much. <laughs> so we're still playing Gears, and it's uh, they're yeah. you know they're double XP weekend, so we'll be playing more of that this weekend, if not after we finish this vidcast. Uh, still trying my best to get through Lost Legacy. You know, the more and more I play it, it's an amazing game, but I'm honestly a little bit bored with it in a lot of areas. I'm finding myself struggling to move to the next story area, um, and I don't know what it is. I mean, it looks beautiful. It's got the Uncharted feel to it. Maybe it's just we all kind of fell in love with Nathan Drake and, and Sully to the point to where it, he needs to be in the game um, and the main character in the game. I've got no problems with the characters. It's just that they're, they just don't interest me as much. Um, and then obviously Cuphead, I'll keep trucking my way through it, but you know, it's just, there's going to be a line to where I just won't be able to do it anymore. <laughs> so how about you? Yeah. So, um, pretty similar. So Cuphead, I, I promise I won't go on about it. Um, love it to death playing the hell out of it. Uh, I think, you know, it came out what Friday and it's an indie game and I already have like 17, 18, 19 hours into it. Um, I have beat it. Uh, I did review it and I, I made sure to beat it before I reviewed it. Um, just because that's how we do things here. Um, I've also already beat several of the bosses on expert, including the devil, because I want to beat all the bosses on expert. Uh, I basically want hundred percent it and I've beat all the running gun levels. Um, without firing a shot, which is called the pacifist uh, achievement. And that allows you to unlock the black and white mode, which is really, really cool as well. So uh, like I said, I've been playing the hell of that. And I've been playing it with my son too. It's really fun to play two player uh, Cuphead and Mugman. And um, he's he's been enjoying it though. He gets uh, absolutely destroyed. He has not grown up with those 2D kind of tough games. And so, uh, you know, I find myself reviving him more than anything else while we're playing, but uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, Forza, I am loving. Um, I think it's fantastic. It is, it's gorgeous, even on the Xbox One. Uh, the lighting, especially the HDR support, like we saw in Forza Horizon Three, uh, really adds a ton to it. The, the dynamic weather, and you know, I was racing on. Uh, funny enough, I was racing on uh, Circuit of the Americas yesterday on a race, and um, it just kind of clouded over and started raining and got wetter and wetter, and it, it just, uh, it was really, really impressive. I thought so. Um, enjoying that. The fact that Porsche's in it right out of the gate, of course, is a huge bonus for me. I already have a couple, and, and I'm working on, you know, wanting to collect them all. So that's a lot of fun. Um, Dying Light, as you said, you know, we're playing that together. I never actually played it prior, so uh, me, you, and another buddy are working on that. And that's been a lot of fun when it works. We've had a lot of kind of technical hiccups with that game in terms of the multiplayer. But um, that's a ton of fun as well. And then... Um, I went back to uh, Mario and Rabbids, Mario and Rabbids uh, Kingdom Battle the other day, and um, I, I think I finally beat uh, the first full world. So I moved into the second world, which again is probably still pretty early. I've just been playing so much, but um, that game's just got a lot of charm into it. I, I really enjoy that one as well. So that'll be one. Uh, I'm trying to play if I'm, you know, upstairs or something. I'm, you know, playing it on the on the go so I can get more time into it, but. About Uncharted Lost Legacy, um, I had that here as I was currently playing, and I haven't gone back to it, and I kind of echo some of your statements there, is that it's gorgeous, especially on the PlayStation 4 Pro, just like Uncharted 4 was. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. The writing's good. The cinematics are great. I just, uh, there's nothing driving me to play it. Like, I just don't have the urge to play that game like I do all these other games we're talking about. So, I don't know. Um it's already October. We've got major releases here coming in the next few weeks, obviously. So I don't know when I'm going to actually get to it and finish it. Uh, well, I guess we'll see. But um, yeah, I think that I think that's everything. I'm kind of like you, playing a playing a lot. So, um, but a lot of good stuff out there, and I'm just so happy that uh, that Cuphead was as good or better than uh, anticipated. That 
that kind of made my year so far. So anyway, uh, <laughs> anything else on any of those, uh, any current games? No, I'm just, I'm worried that uh, <laughs> the rest of the games coming out this month are going to take even more of our time away and having to choose, you know, which ones you want to get in the month of October. Cause there's so much coming out this month. That's, you know, has to be bought or played. Uh, what are you choosing? What are you not choosing? What do you skip? What do you wait till maybe a black Friday sale or Christmas or something? And I don't know. It's stressful. I don't know. What to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think we were just talking earlier about evil within too, right? That comes out next week, which is Friday the 13th. And, um, we both love those games, want to play it, but again, just time. And the sad thing is, as we talked about in, in some other big casts, is we know that that game, just to, due to when it's releasing and the type of game it is, that you'll be able to get it a month after it releases for probably half price. Um, so if I don't have time to play it now, it's really not worth buying at launch, you know what I mean? Which is kind of a shame. Um, and then Assassin's Creed Origins, I'm, the more I see of that game, especially uh, on the Xbox One X, they, they finally showed some uh, straight, raw 4K footage from Xbox One X for AC Origins. It looks absolutely stunning. Uh, and the fact that they've designed the game more like a full role-playing game with loot and, and a big skill tree and you can play different ways. Oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm never, I've, I don't think I've ever been excited for an Assassin's Creed. That's not my franchise, but I'm really excited for this one. So I hope it launches well. We'll see. If it does launch well without a lot of bugs and people aren't having issues, I'll probably pick that one up sooner rather than later, even though it launches the same day as Mario, which is going to be my core focus, you know, as soon as that launches. So we'll see. Yeah, you got Mario, Wolfenstein, Assassin's Creed all on the same day. Um, <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. And that's just, uh, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to go with Mario on there, but I don't know. Yeah. And that's Wolfenstein, uh, you know, we didn't talk about this on the news, but Wolfenstein made headlines yesterday or the day before because they started uh, on their social media accounts uh, making puns about make America Nazi free again, which, you know, Wolfenstein's been about killing Nazis for 30 years. And uh, I, for whatever reason, we won't get into it, but there was a small group of people that, you know, took that as a, a leftist political statement and got pissed off and it turned into this big thing, and I'm like, you know, of all the things to argue about, I, I'm pretty sure we all agreed, I thought at least, for the past seven decades that Nazis suck, and that <laughs> mm. <laughs> there, there shouldn't be an argument when we're making fun of Nazis or joking about killing Nazis in video games. But for whatever reason, in our current climate, that became a discussion point. So Yeah, just uh, to keep this very bit-casty and no politics, I'm just going <laughs> to refrain from any comment whatsoever, but it is kind of nutty that we have to be careful about offending that uh in a, joke, I, in, a, in a joking manner but yeah luck i think luckily most most people responded and said keep up the good work you know um but that's uh, this is hilarious and you know we support you so it's good to see that but uh, it's just ridiculous that he, that's even a discussion you know it shouldn't be all right so let's um let's move on we're going to cover our main topic today which is actually going to be uh, games as a service so this is a a phrase that we started hearing more a couple years ago, you know, as Destiny really rose in popularity and games, a lot of Ubisoft games uh, kind of, we talked about this prior, but have kind of gone to this model. Uh, Division, Rainbow Six Siege is a good one. Uh, For Honor has a, a year-long plan now of upgrades and, and things they're doing for the community. But we've had some uh, notable comments from some large developers, Ubisoft being one of them. But uh, Square Enix actually came out, and you know, if you look at Square Enix and what they've done over the past few years, you know, they were the company that let go of Hitman to IO Interactive because it only sold 
about 4 million copies. Um, and then they complained that Tomb Raider didn't sell as much as they wanted it to, even though it sold 7 million copies. So I'm not quite sure what's in the water over there at Square Enix. Uh, <laughs> if, you're a, if you're a publisher and you have a franchise like Hitman, which really isn't a tier one franchise nowadays, but it sells 4 million copies and you think that that's, uh, that's poor or Tomb Raider selling 7 million copies is poor. I don't really know what to tell you. You know, that's... Um, that's kind of crazy, but so they they came out essentially and said that um, their focus is going to be driving towards developing games that have a longer tail or you know same type of thing, right? Develop into a game as a service that people will invest their time and money into over a period of time, uh, potentially up to years. And I think we're going to start seeing this more because if you look at something, you know, Destiny's kind of the prime example, and Destiny Two is doing really well. If you look at <clears throat> Grand Theft Auto V, that may be one of the biggest examples as well. You know, that had uh, a massive release as expected for Grand Theft Auto, but it's just continued to sell. It's over 80 million copies now, which is just absurd to think about. And Grand Theft Auto Align, just, you know, they're just steadily releasing content for it and people keep buying it and playing it. And in fact, it's done so well for Rockstar that they canceled the planned uh, single player content for Grand Theft Auto V, the single player expansion that they had talked about after launch. So, which is kind of a shame in my opinion. So I don't know, um, you know, how I personally feel about this. Um, I've got a lot of thoughts, but I think let's, let's start with just a couple questions for you, Bert, and we'll kind of go back and forth on it. So, you know, what are your personal thoughts on games as a service games? Like we've, I just mentioned versus, you know, what we've traditionally seen with say single player games, the, um, you know, last of us or uncharted, even though they have multiplayer components, they're still looked at primarily as single player experiences. Um, things like Persona 5 or, you know, Hellblade, Horizon Zero Dawn, another great example, right? Um, and games that have traditionally had single player and multiplayer, but not really as a service, right? So things like Halo and Gears and and those types of games as well. So what are your thoughts, uh, you know, between those two? Which which do you prefer and, and you know, do you have one you prefer? Yeah, so I'll start out with the, the main point of I'm more of a single player person myself. I, I do multiplayer a bit, but on games that are designed for multiplayer stuff, like whether they have a multiplayer mode like Gears or Dying Light having a co-op mode where you can go through story. Um, I spend most of my time gaming by myself in a single player. I like stories that are driven, whether it be RPG or uh, third person like Tomb Raider or something that I go through. I, I prefer those games as a gamer overall. Uh, the biggest negative that I see with these uh, games as a service mentality is a lot of these games don't advertise themselves as a game with a service mentality going through. A good, uh, a good example is Destiny. When Destiny 1 came out, this was their big game. They did say that they do have a deal for, you know, 10 years, Destiny is going to be this. But at the beginning, not many people knew if that standalone Destiny game was going to be that and they were just going to build on that or what. And then in the future, we found out that they were developing Destiny 2. Um, my biggest problem with it is I think that developers get pretty lazy with the launch of their game and their game launch is not complete. Um, whether it be bugs, whether it be lack of content, whether it be um, missing modes that they initially advertised that were coming and then when the game launches, like, oh, that's not ready, we're going to launch that later. But it's, it's their pricing model that I have an issue with. If, if Destiny, when it first came out, was $40 or even $29.99, and then down the line you could buy a DLC that would complete the game, whether it be story or content-based, I'd be a lot better with that. But being that we're launching this every single time for $59.99 and then their DLC, I mean, I think we did the math last time, and 
Destiny 1 when it first came out was somewhere around the 120 to 140 range after you got all DLC when you could have just waited down the line and bought the complete edition for, you know, 60 bucks or less than that eventually. So if they're ahead of time saying games with service, sell it like games with service, sell it cheaper, and then you know pay people down the road with it. Uh, my biggest problem is the lack of content when the game with service releases. So that's my quick two cents on a long topic that I could probably talk all day about. So, <laughs> yeah, um, no, I think your last point there is is the most valid to me, and that is that when they talk about games as a service, um, there has to be content to support that. Uh, I think once a lot of us, once we finish Vanilla Destiny, uh, it just became, you know, if you didn't want to just do the boring grind of the same strikes and missions over and over again, there really was no content. You had to wait for those expansions, and the first couple expansions for the game were really light on content as well. Um, it wasn't until the Taken King came out the following year where it really kind of added new substantial content. So, and I think in that vein, it's <clears throat> it's almost MMO-like, right? Because MMOs have always faced the same problem. It's, uh, you know, this is going to be a game you subscribe to monthly, and we're going to continually provide content, but the the gaps between major content releasing for these games can sometimes be substantial, and that that affects. I know it affects me, and that's it could be because uh, you know I play so many games. But unless there's something interesting to keep you playing, then um, you know I don't. I'm not a huge fan of it personally. Yeah, when you when you think of Destiny Two that has come out, you know, unless you saw the changes from day one on Destiny One. Destiny 2, to me, is Destiny 1.5. I really don't think Destiny 2 is any kind of leap in technology or anything in story or graphics. I mean, it does look nicer, but it's not a massive jump to where other games have jumped in this generation. I mean, you look at a launch title to where we are today on PlayStation or Xbox One, it's completely different um, in graphics, technology, sound, everything, loading times. And Destiny 2 is not anything mind-blowing to me. So to me, that's another DLC almost for it, or maybe a large DLC or something. And if Destiny was sold as a, a subscription service like you were talking about before for the next 10 years and you're paying whatever it is, that would make more sense to me. But to me, these releases every two or three years are, are going to be really annoying after a while. If Destiny 3 releases the exact same way with just a nicer story or more story to it, that would probably piss me off pretty good. <laughs> so I don't know. To me, I, people love it. I mean, I've already seen people with 160 hours in that game, um, and they'll eat it up every time just because there's a little bit new content and they're still patrolling Earth. So, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who you're talking about. Yeah, I'm the same way. I think, uh, you know, I've really always enjoyed the games that have a single-player campaign and a multiplayer component that's a dedicated, supported multiplayer component. Um, you know, we talk about the Gears, we talk about the Halos, um, the Battlefields, Call of Duties. You know, I, I really like that model. Um, and I maybe I'm just used to that model. I don't really have anything against games as a service uh, in terms of the model, but it's just the content. The content has to be there. When you're playing competitive multiplayer, to me anyway, uh, like a Halo, Gears, Call of Duty, Battlefield, um, every time you play is, is kind of something new. And they add maps and they add weapons, etc. But there's you know you're always playing against new people and new strategies and dynamics. Whereas when you're playing something that's co-op or single player. Um, it gets very repetitive. And I don't know, you know, maybe that's something in the next few years or future we see something where procedural generation will help with that or, you know, better artificial intelligence. I'm sure we'll see that evolve over the, the coming years where it becomes less repetitive and less uh, static, I guess. So we'll see. Yeah, it does seem to be that this is something that the industry is moving towards to in, in general. I mean, we think of another example, so it doesn't seem like I'm always railing on Destiny, but uh, Star Wars Battlefront 1. 
um, when that game first came out, I mean, the content was a joke. Um, it still is a joke if I think about it again. But then if you think about it, Battlefront got, gosh, I think like four DLC packs after that. And you had to have the season pass for some, and then some were not part of the season pass. Um, and so I guess they somewhat listened, and now Battlefront 2 is coming out. And ahead of time, they're telling you everything that's going to be coming out with DLC in the future, kind of more about the story ahead of time. So despite selling crazy numbers for the first one because of the Star Wars name on it, um, they kind of got away with that. But now they're selling it, and they, they're kind of almost taking the negative from something and turning it into a positive, which I guess is genius in a way. Um, but we ahead of time know that we're getting a ton of DLC. It's all going to be free. Um, and there's more story in it this time. So, but that's still kind of a games of service because you're going to be playing it for a, a bit of time. So, yeah. I don't know. They're, they're, and I think the industry is moving towards that. Is the point that I'm making um, there? Yeah, yeah. And so that kind of that kind of moves into the next main thought on this that we were going to touch on, and that is, you know, with Square talking about this, the reason they're talking about it is profitability, right? And how they continue to support AAA studios with the cost of game development increasing. Um, you know, some games cost over a hundred million dollars to make now so it's it's getting to the point where a triple-a game experience will cost as much as a triple-a movie uh to make and produce and so you know the the, the big question really is how do developers continue to provide triple-a experiences profitably profitably sorry <laughs> without uh without designing the game to be a service um and i think uh there's a lot of discussion around how they do this you know some games I don't know the financial figures, but some games will pay for themselves just because they're so good that word of mouth, they sell enough copies to where they make a profit, you know, just without any additional content or additional things in the game that people can spend money on. Um, I don't know, you know, I keep going back to Rise and Zero Dawn or, you know, Zelda may be a good example, right? Zelda's already sold uh, probably 5 million plus copies now and will continue to sell as we know. Um, so that's going to be profitable for Nintendo, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, without really selling anything additional. Um, but I think, uh, you know, I think some of the studios like Square Enix that we're talking about are looking at things like Destiny, where um, they can continue to release expansions, or even games, you know, like um, there's a lot of games like, uh, I'll pull one out of my hat here, like Smite, right? That's a, a MOBA that is free to download and play. It's more a free-to-play model where you earn things, but people spend a lot of money on that game for customization. So you buy lots of skins and and things that show off in the game. And I think that's another aspect as well. You know, you mentioned Battlefront 2, and uh, they said there's no season pass, the DLC is going to be free, and they're, they're spending a ton of money to make that game between uh, the three development studios and the single-player campaign and the multiplayer. Um, but it has loot crates, right? And I'm sure you'll be able to buy those loot crates with real money should you want. Now, they're not going to hugely affect gameplay, but, you know, Star Wars fanatics, I mean, if they want a, a skin or a Boba Fett or, you know, for, for Darth Maul or whoever, you know those guys will go out of their way to spend extra money to get those. So it's, uh, it's an interesting question. I think we're just kind of scratching the surface here around how these studios continue to make money um, while putting out tens or hundreds of millions to make and support these games. Yeah, I think, and funny enough, and not to get off topic, but that microtransactions, I think, are... I'm interested to see if the industry sees it. Over time, people get sick of it, and then they have to change the model again. So, I don't know. I think people are getting really sick of microtransactions. Yeah, I, oh, I think that's where the outrage is coming from as soon as someone hears microtransaction or loot box, right? And I think... It, some of it's even unjustified, as we talked about before, so, right? There's really, uh, there's no 
need for the hate on that game. It's just another feature in the game that is really not costing you any money or stopping you from experiencing any content. Um, so I think we need to be a little more selective. All in the community needs to be a little more selective around how we view these things. But um, you know, there are other companies that do have uh, bad models and kind of predatory models. And I heard an interesting uh, comment the other day, again, like you said, not getting us too far off topic, but it's just a fact that some of these games, especially the free-to-play market, they're developing the games around kind of the gambling methodology, right? How they hook you and want you to to continue to want to get something, and it, it pushes you down a path where it makes people want to spend money to get things in the game. And the funny thing about that, right, is that when you're when something gets uh, categorized as, as gambling, um, it's then faces a whole string of, of legal ramifications that they have to face, right? And laws that uh, affect those types of things. So uh, it'll be real interesting to see if, um, you know, video games get to a point where they, uh, some of them get classified as a gambling exercise and face, have to make some changes or face some uh, legal ramifications of how they produce those. Because if you think, you know, like I can't go online right now um, legally in the US and play uh, poker for money, right? But I can go and I can, turn on Fortnite and I could spend a thousand dollars opening up, you know, loot llamas that may not give me anything of, of substance. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's an interesting conversation. I think that we're going to be, I think we're only now getting into the beginning of this cycle. And I think it's going to be something, as you said, that evolves over time and uh, developers are going to have to figure out a way to walk that line. Yep. No, I completely agree. It's a good point too about gambling. Cause I just, you can spend so much money. I know people that spend a ton of money on gears trying to get the best pack or the best yeah. people. Yeah. And, um, you know, I guess that's gambling in a way, if you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, I mean, you can make the argument that uh, it's all cosmetic, right? You're not, you're not earning anything of substance back. I, I, I'm no expert. I don't know how they would categorize that, but it's, it's going to definitely be a conversation point in the future, I think. Um, and then just uh, to close this one out, just being hypothetical. So, you know, our personal thoughts on whether or not you see, because of the way the industry is moving, um, do you foresee a future where major uh, franchises that we're used to playing in numbered releases or annual releases uh, will move to more of a service, right? So, for instance, do you think we could see a Call of Duty that is not annual, but rather we get a Call of Duty... Um, that comes out and then, you know, the following year you, you keep that core game, but then you just buy a $40 expansion that gives you a new campaign and new multiplayer suite. You know, it's kind of part of that overall arching call of duty uh, or overarching call of duty uh, game, you know, battlefield or, or halo or any of those big shooter titles could be treated the same way. If you think about it, I don't know if we'll get to a point like that. I think it'll depend on if we run out of wars to make games out of. <laughs> um, I think I think uh, we need a, a proper Vietnam game from the Call of Duty series. You know, uh, Battlefield did a pretty good job with it. But um, I don't know. There's so much money to be made, and now you have like three different studios working on Call of Duty. Uh, there's who knows what they're working on right now, but they're in deep development right now on the upcoming one for 2018 of fall. But um, I don't know. I could see some other stuff. I, I don't see battlefield and call of duty doing that anytime in the near future until they run out of ideas and they might consider doing that because we've already started seeing a little bit of it with remasters and kind of uh some stuff coming back up for that just buy this game and then you get a remaster of this one but i think they need to run out of ideas before they do that personally yeah yeah i don't know if we're gonna see that anytime soon it was just an interesting kind of thought you know um forza could be you know thought of the same way but i think 
with a game like Forza, with a game like uh, some of the sports games, people usually make the argument that, well, you can upgrade the rosters and upgrade some features. But, um, you know, there are kind of physics and, and fundamental engine changes that occur in those games as well that you can't really just change with an expansion. Um, so there, there's a deeper development process there that people I don't think think of sometimes. So. I could, and now that you mentioned it like that, I think I could see more of that in sports games. Well, like, that's what they should be to begin with. Uh, you know, when we talk with Jordan all the time, he talks about the latest roster update's going to cost you 60 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, that might be something that they consider, you know, maybe, I don't know. They, I don't know. They make so much money every year with FIFA, Madden, and all those that it doesn't really make sense to do subscription, but I'd like to see what they spend in making a Madden or a FIFA because like we've seen in NHL, I mean, you can't really tell me that this, this past year on some of those games that they really spent, you know, millions and millions and millions to do almost nothing on it. I mean, there's no new engine on any of those games or anything. So, yeah, I, don't know, but yeah. I, I could see that becoming a subscription service. I mean, for that exact reason, you know, we have the new teams here now. We have the newest jerseys or something. Spend 20 bucks and get the whole new roster or something uh, with new stadiums. I mean, that's all you'd need to do, but. I don't know. I have to see the numbers before I could comment further on it. Yeah. Obviously the companies are doing what they do for a reason. Um, All right. So we'll close that one out. I thought it would be something interesting for us to touch on here in this, during this big cast. And I think it's going to be a growing topic. And I think we may come back to this next year, you know, maybe as a conversation point and dedicate an entire episode to it, because I think we're just going to see this evolve as the, as the industry evolves. So, and grows. All right, so let's uh, let's move on to one of our uh, more of our favorite sections here. So let's talk about some collectibles and some classic games we've been playing. So on the collectibles front, um, Bert, you got anything you want to talk about this uh, this big cast? Yeah, I have a few things. Um, I, I do a lot of limited run game stuff, and uh, I did get the Yeast Origin Collector's Edition. Um, however, I have to send this one back. I don't know if you can see it very well, but this was damaged in shipping, and my whole box was bent in here. Oh man! And, uh, I tend to display these, so I wanted a mint, and so. I do have uh, a replacement copy that I have to send this one back on, I guess, Tuesday now, because, yes, we still celebrate Columbus Day in this country. So the <laughs> Postal Service is closed. So once they get this, they'll send me a new one, and I can open it and see the contents. But this is the PS4 version, uh, Collector's Edition. So I was pretty excited about this one. And I also have the uh, PAX um, Collector's Edition coming, which is just the game. It's not a whole thing like this. So kind of sad to see this one damaged when I, I got it. Um, I did get the uh, SNES Classic. I have yet to open it because I'm waiting for the uh, Japanese one, or I guess UE one, to get to me so I can open them at the same time. But biggest thing here is it's it's super tiny. I mean, gosh, this is, doesn't weigh anything. But it weighs uh, – sorry, it's not size, but it, it weighs a lot, which is kind of funny. Last thing is, for some reason, I've been on an amiibo craze. So I've been picking these <laughs> – I've been picking these things up like crazy uh, when I see them. If they're under $7 and it's a character that I like, I just buy it. Um, and so you got to be on eBay. <laughs> Take it easy over there. You got to be on eBay and you see these for $6 shipped. Um, and I'm getting it just from a collector's thing because that's these are a lot more... Um, I like these more than the Pops. And so they're super high detail um, and I like them a lot. So I got Dr. Mario... And Bowser. And, uh, <laughs> Bowser's cool. Do you have a DK? I don't yet. I haven't seen that one cheap, but the, for the ones I really want are the new uh, Samus ones from Metroid, and those yeah. things disappear yeah. like in two seconds from the GameStop. You're not going to see that anywhere uh, falling in price. But I did get Cloud from Final Fantasy a few weeks ago. I know he's one of your favorite characters from your favorite Final Fantasy. Waste Final of time. Time. Send it back. <laughs> and I, did, uh, I also got Bayonetta, which is cool. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, so they're kind of fun to get. But that's all I've got. I mean, I've got a lot of software recently, but I don't really consider that collectible. Um, 
in my sense. So how about you? What did you got? Yeah, no, I was going to, the Metroid one I, I saw, I like the one where it's actually the Metroid on like the broken tube. Oh yeah. Yeah. That one looks really cool. Well, you, you actually saw that one at a store? Yeah. Damn it. Those are like really hard to find right now. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. If yeah, I they, see one, they, I'll pick. Are you looking? A, kind of. They, they make a two pack right now where you can get the yeah. Metroid and Samus together. Yeah. So that's the one I saw. Uh, Wow, you need to pick that up next time because it's really oh. hard to find, and uh, they they can sell for about forty to fifty bucks on eBay right now. Oh. Uh, but I think Amazon had a crazy deal for both of them for like twenty five, and then GameStop will sell them for about twenty bucks for the two of them if you can get them. Okay, but they're really hard to find. So, yep. Hmm. Fortunately, I'm not collecting the damn thing. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't know now, you know. <laughs> All right, so uh, yeah, we're we were going to talk about the same thing, right? So um, I. I uh, was fortunate enough to, when the Super Nintendo Classic got um, announced, I went on to some of the European sites because um, I wanted the kind of the Famicom version. Uh, the difference being that the unit itself is, you know, looks like the Famicom, and then the controllers, which I prefer greatly, have the colored buttons. It's all the same games. It all plugs in the same way. You know, all the interface is the same. It's really just the colored buttons on the controllers and the different look of the console. So I got the, uh, the European Super Nintendo Classic Mini. And um, it's really, really neat. I did open mine because my son was playing it earlier. And so as you can see how big it is here in my hand, it's tiny. And you can also see how that's different from the American one. Um, and uh, it's, it's really neat. I have the same complaint as the original is that I wish that the cord for the controllers was longer. It makes no sense why they're still so short. And, uh, but other than that, it's a blast. And I think that I'm uh, going to be getting a lot of play out of it. So... Um, other than that, you know, yours is on the way. So I was fortunate enough to get two. So uh, one uh, was shipped off to Bert earlier today, actually. So we're both going to have a, a copy of this or soon. Yeah. But that's a, that's about it from the collectible standpoint. I I, um, I did get. I didn't even feel like bringing them on because they're really minor. But I did get. Uh, I've been collecting everything Cuphead, if you couldn't tell. And uh, I got some enamel enamel pins uh, for Cuphead that were uh, exclusive to New York Comic Con last year or San Diego Comic Con. Excuse me. Excuse me. So that uh <laughs> can't speak all of a sudden so uh that was pretty cool but yeah it's funny you talk about the cords because if if you think about it the nes mini or classic was a foot and a half shorter than the snes classic so i have no idea what nintendo's thinking I, you can't tell me cords are too expensive to extend another foot um or longer than that the original snes cord is is longer than the classic one it's yeah, it is it is i have the original snes right over there and yeah. uh it makes no I swear, we've talked about this so many times. I swear there's someone at Nintendo who makes these decisions. It's like they get everything right, and it's like, let's just make the cord four feet just to see what everyone says. <laughs> They're like the biggest trolls ever. It doesn't make any sense at all. It would have, it's an $80 unit. There's nothing in it but a ROM. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? It, it would have cost them, what, another 20, 30 cents per cord to just make it 10 feet. I, it's baffling to me, but ten, ten feet's a little long now. Come on, come on now. <laughs> ten feet. <laughs> no, but no, but no. Yeah, just, that's just what the feet. the Duke controller is going to be. It's going to be or yeah. nine nine feet or ten feet. You know, right? Oh, TVs now, are bigger nowadays. <laughs> yeah. Now, now our quest is to get the Super Famicom from Japan Mini. Yeah, there. the Japanese one. I should have ordered that when they launched, but hopefully, if Nintendo's you know being honest about how many they're producing, we will. Uh, we will see it. The funniest thing about this actually is that I got two of these from England, international shipping, before 
I got my SNES classics, the American ones from Amazon. I still haven't gotten those. They're just sitting there as not shipped. So yeah. it doesn't make any. And I ordered them. I mean, I was on there the first probably five minutes that they went up. So it's ridiculous. And that stupid exchange rate. <sighs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, so for people watching, if you do order one of these, um, it was still 80 pounds um, in England, which equated to about $115, $120. So they are a little more expensive if you want to get this one. All right, so um, let's go to uh, our favorite topic, and I'll let you uh, intro it. So let's let's talk about some classic games. All right, so our season reflections is back. Um, and so about four reflections ago, I had uh, Super Mario RPG as mine. And um, now that we have our SNES minis and classic, you can play it again because it is one of the the games that does come along with this. So... It shows up right here in this tiny little corner, as you can see, is one. So if you never got to play it, you have to play it. But a successor to that, because after that, Square and Nintendo didn't keep their relationship going to make another game. They did have one that came out on the 64 that was considered the Paper Mario series. My game is Paper Mario The Thousand year door now this one is amazing on the gamecube if you can find it um these do go for a little bit more and these are probably north of 50 bucks now on ebay if you can find one it was one of the games that you could do progressive scan on and have a nicer picture um the gameplay is still very much like super mario rpg to where it is turn-based now there is a lot more uh you can go 2d and then it moves back to 3d um but the story, the art style, it's a very different Mario game than your typical Mario's, whether it be Mario Galaxy or Mario Sunshine. It's not a platformer in that sense. This is more of an RPG. Um, and if you follow along with that, I also have Super Paper Mario that came out for the Wii. Um, and that did succeed into what is out for the Wii U right now called uh, Paper Mario Color Splash. I don't have that one. I want to get it. It's actually one of the games that I want to get before Wii U games are impossible to find. But... Yeah, back to my original season reflection. If you can find this one for under 50 bucks, try to pick it up and play it. They're still playable on the Wii if you have a Wii because of the backwards compatibility. They were obviously designed for the GameCube. Um, if you have a GameCube, you should try to pick one up. But um, that's my season reflection for this game. It was an amazing game back in the day. It still is to me. It's still very playable today. Nice. Yeah, I'm kind of jealous. I um, I don't have any of the Paper Mario games or you know Super Mario RPG, which is the the golden one you want, right, for the Super Nintendo. Um, but uh, I think you sent me a link, what, early this year for Color Splash for Wii U for like 25 bucks, and you were like, buy it, and I don't, neither of us did, right? Like, I don't right. know. <laughs> I don't know what we were thinking. Yep. So, uh, okay, so for mine, I don't actually have the physical copy, which saddens me because I did own it when I was younger. But, you know, again, in honor of the uh, Super Nintendo Classic, uh, my game this week, or this big cast, is Final Fantasy III. Um, so it was, again, it was uh, Super Nintendo. It was right in that heart of when Squaresoft uh, was kind of king of the Japanese RPGs back then. And Final Fantasy II for the Super Nintendo was one of my favorite games of all time. It's still up there. Uh, Final Fantasy III came out, and it, it I don't know if I consider it... Um, better but in it did some things that even final fantasy 2 didn't and it was just a tremendous tremendous game so if you're playing it now um it obviously has some of the the you know faults of the old japanese rpg games which is you know it's all turn-based and you kind of just get random battles so it can take you a long time to get places um but the writing on it you know the story some of the things they did back in the 16-bit era in that 
for those games was just amazing. Um, the story is always, you know, long and emotional, and um, it was really tremendous to see what Squaresoft and those developers uh, made back in the day. Because with that technology, you really couldn't do, you know, a whole lot in terms of cutscenes or anything else. But yet they still hold up really well, and they're some of my favorite games to go back to. So um, if you can find a copy for Super Nintendo, you're looking at a lot of money, especially if it's complete. Um, like I said, it just saddens me because I used to have all those games and sold them off over time. But um, the nice thing, of course, is Super Nintendo Classic. You can now play it. So if you haven't played that uh, and you do like Japanese role-playing games or you grew up with some of those games, absolutely play it. It's considered one of the best ever. There are some people who still consider it the best Final Fantasy, even, you know, here you are uh, 20, 25 years later. Um, I put it up there. I think it's probably one of my top two or three Final Fantasies ever. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's great. So definitely check it out if you if you never did. Yeah, other places that I remember you could actually get the game as well. If if the Nintendo consoles or if you don't find a hard copy of it anywhere, are the PSP. So if you're a Sony guy and uh, you have a PSP, you could still play it there. You could also find it on the Wii U Virtual Console. Um, those were some other places you could find it, but um, I played a little bit of it back in the day on the PSP, believe it or not. I was in the Philippines uh, working, and I was able to get a ROM for it on their black market area. <laughs> but, uh, it was kind of weird, because they had it, and I was like, you got to try this one, and I played it on my PSP, and it was um, it's awesome. So I'm glad we can finally play it on the SNES Mini. So Yeah, and I think, um, I don't know, was it one of the ones included on the PS1 Classic when they did the anthologies? I can't remember. I don't, I don't remember that. I know you could get it on the PlayStation Store, but I don't remember it on the anthologies, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, yeah I know two was on there, and of course they're numbered differently in Japan, right? So uh, I think they're, what, five and six, or four and six, something. There, there was one other place that I know you probably are going to download it for, is on the Ouya. You could definitely play it on the Ouya. <laughs> so, you know, the, the last time I thought about that console, I think, was when I saw it on clearance in Target. So, I, uh, yeah, I guess uh, that one didn't work out how they had hoped. I kind of want to pick one up at a garage sale just for, like, five bucks, just for the heck of it. May as well have it. Yeah, it'll probably be worth something in the future because probably so few of them sold, right? Yeah. So that's usually what happens. Or not. It may not be worth nothing ever. There's <laughs> a strong chance. <laughs> just a little black box. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. So I think uh, let's go ahead and close it out here. Um another episode in the books. I think if um, if you're looking for some of the things we've published recently, like I said, uh, my Cuphead review is up on the site. I did a written review only for Cuphead, which I explain uh, on the article. So if you want to check that out, it's got a lot of uh, some of my clips and some of the artwork though you can check out. Uh, Bert put up a uh, what's releasing in October video, which is obviously a big month of the year, maybe the biggest. So that's uh, up on the site as well if you want to check that out and get caught up to date on what's coming in the next few weeks. And then as always, you know, um, we just want to say thank you for the people who listen and, and watch and um, please subscribe and, and like or rate us on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube. Um, and we're happy to hear your feedback or comments. And then uh, just lastly, I just want to comment again to apologize for the video quality and some of the audio hiccups we had. Uh, Google is uh, quite frankly being a son of a bitch <laughs> today. So, um, you know, we'll, uh, we'll get through it and hopefully uh, next big cast we're in, we're in a lot better shape. So what do you want to uh, close out with Burp? No, that's it, uh, guys. Hopefully, we have a new SG conversation coming in the near future before a bit in the next bitcast, but we'll see. Um, and uh, hopefully, I have some comparisons on past fours again. So, I've been putting together some video on 
the Forzas that have come out on uh, Xbox One, not before that, but just to kind of give comparisons as to what's actually changed. Did kind of something similar to that with our uh, F1 series stuff. So hopefully to do it with the Forza series so you can see. If you haven't played it, must play it. But as Ainsley said, thanks for uh, listening to us, guys, and catch us on the next one. Yeah. Thanks again, everyone, and go play Cuphead.